If Wes Anderson gives you a Kool-Aid, a cup of Kool-Aid, <laughs> do not drink it. Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies talking about cinema. That's us. That's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. For real, though. Uh, this is Cinnabuds. I am Radio Milwaukee's Justin Barney. I'm Milwaukee Films' Christopher Pollard. And this week, we are talking about Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. Ten minutes before I went to see the movie, mm-hmm. I said out loud, Oh, I love dogs. <laughs> Isle of dogs. Oh, my God. It hit me real late. That's one of those Easter eggs that you just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you see in the movie, Wes Anderson's such a visionary director. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Snuck in a little wordplay in there. I got uh, it. Do you want to run down maybe a brief recap of what the movie is about? Yeah. Crooked politician who instills fear in the country in order to get elected. Then his comeuppance. Uh, he gets you wrote his, this? Yeah. Then wow. he gets his comeuppance as the people and dogs revolt exposing him. Good triumphs over evil. Now wow, That's good. Yeah, yeah. When you look at the trailer, that's not the focus. No. Uh, it's dogs on a trash island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I like that when I watched it. Like almost every movie coming out, I was like, oh, that's familiar. Yeah. So it's uh, nice. Yeah. And it is very kind of like detailed politically like that. Yeah. Um, let's kind of pull back and talk about Wes Anderson as a whole right here. Sure. Wes Anderson is a director that a lot of people seem to just love. You know, he is one person that everybody like gravitates to. Everybody thinks very highly of. Yeah. And I am one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When I was, uh, I think, 15 or 16 years old, I went to the Franklin Public Library in uh, in Franklin, believe yeah. it or not. Oh, weird. Uh, and, uh, That's where they put that. <laughs> and we would rent movies all the time. And I remember renting The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou and watching it and being like, this is a thing that can happen yeah. in movies? <laughs> yeah. This is what movies can be? Yeah. So Wes Anderson, for me, it was like the first, it was the first time that I saw a movie where I was like, oh, this is an indie movie. This is different, oh, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's not uncommon mm-hmm. for a lot of people and uh, or a lot of fans of Wes Anderson. And so for me, he's one that's like been there since I was 16. Right. I've seen every single Wes Anderson movie at the Oriental Theater, which is the yeah. best place to see uh, a movie since Darjeeling Limited. I saw that and then all the rest. Yeah. So I am you know, a disciple. Right. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I just just to like <clears throat> show my cards here. Yeah. I am a fan. You are. What What is your experience? Well, very similar, uh, though older. Okay. <laughs> Fair. Um, he's one. He's interesting because he's a director who has a very, very distinct style. Yes. And it's quirky. Oh uh, yeah. Which and offbeat. Yeah, and offbeat. Yeah. Well, quirky. Those two. Those two go together. Yes. Quirky and offbeat. And usually directors like that don't see the mainstream success that he sees. Oh yeah. Totally. Usually you get that, and that provides a niche audience or a bit more than a niche audience. But he is. Like widespread popular, widespread at the popular? same time being like has good content, smart films, true to his form. Yeah, exactly. But still, for some reason, doesn't get a lot of critical success. I'm thinking like has never won best director. Oh, has I see. Never what you're had saying, a yeah. film that's like yeah, yeah, you know, 
Picture of the Year. Right. I don't really understand that. Well, again, that's always been my criticism of those award shows is they don't reward comedy and they don't record, uh, reward quirk as much. This year being like one of the first exceptions in a long time. Yeah. I mean, The Shape of Water had a lot of great content, but it was, you know, obviously it was a fantasy. Uh-huh. Um, so that's interesting. I, mean, I feel like they never really reward more imaginative films. I always thought that was weird that he just always just yeah. gets passed over. Right. And and that is because it's like it's it's not it doesn't have the like the heft and the they're like the Oscarness. Yeah. I wonder and I have to, I don't recall but I I believe he's gotten nominated for like production design, you know, sure. the visual elements which he's a master of. I will say one thing, there was a time right before uh, Moonrise Kingdom came yeah. out. Yeah. Where I had this thought in my head before, like before I went into it, I'm like, what if this gets old? What if this style gets too much and gets old? I remember seeing Moonrise Kingdom and thinking, uh, this is a bit of a parody of himself. Yeah. You know? And that, it was funny because when I had that thought, then I went to see that movie and immediately was like, did I just talk myself into not liking this one? But honestly, um, that's the only one I felt that way about. Then Grand P- Budapest Hotel came out and I thought, this looks like it's going to be the same thing. And it stylistically is, but I like that one substantially. And I think that I went from thinking like, oh, this is going to get old and it's going to be a parody of himself. And there are a lot of people that do parodies of him sure, yeah. very successfully. And I think that you can look at that and be like, oh, look at how easy it is just to right. like, you know, yeah. be Wes Anderson. But he created that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you wouldn't have that without him. Yeah. And I went, I think I went from seeing his movies and being like, this is going to get old to going to it and looking forward to your center shot, yeah. looking forward to the way that the camera pans yeah. and looking forward to it being Wes Anderson. Right, maybe. right. You know, that's a special treat, especially in this movie, Isle of Dogs. Uh, let's talk about it's yeah. Wes Anderson Ness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It has all the elements of his films, it has yeah. those shots that you recognize. It has the lists. He loves to do lists or like, Maps. He, he, yeah, he throws up a subtitle like this is this is introducing people by writing their name on the screen, right? Which is really, uh, and I mean this in a good way, really cute. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. <laughs> usually, if I say cute, I think it's usually like, man, it's kind of cute. I think but that, I like it in this sense. I think that one of the trademarks of Wes Anderson is precision. Mm-hmm. You know, the the way that this the shot is set up is precise. The way that the camera moves is precise. The the dialogue that is stated is direct. Right. And uh, I thought that doing this movie. He's always had kind of been obsessed with miniatures and yeah. sets, and he is he he is so detail oriented that I think that this is like the ultimate like essence of what he is is like making everything by himself is like yeah. making the miniatures, making everything precise, and then doing it in like the culture of Japan where everything is very detail oriented yeah. in itself. I thought like made a lot of sense for him. Yeah, was to do it in this space. And do it with the animals and the characters. How did the uh, how did the miniatures work for you? I want them all in my house. Yeah, I did Google Isle of Dog merch. Oh, I love that because when he when he did the uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is the other stop motion animation yeah. film he did, which is also fantastic, they did come out with a line of figures. 
um, which I sadly missed the boat on. Oh, so did I. I didn't even know that. And when I was watching this movie, I've, I'm a very visual person. I really like... Uh, a movie can make up a lot. If it has a poor story, mm. it can be made up a lot for with um, good visual element, photography, set design, just beautiful things. Right. And now, this does have a great story, but it also... He always has those things. And specifically the animation style. I love stop motion animation mm -hmm. more than any other animation because you don't get used to it. It's not like other animation where CGI stuff where I'm like, oh, now I, I'm just lost in it now. Right. You can still get lost in the story, but every frame you are forced to go, I moved this with my hand Man, there was, and then took a picture. Yes. There was the there's this scene where they're like at the bar and there's all the like, there's like one like the gradient of color. And then mm. there's also like a million like little bottles that are individual oh, I colors. That. That, that and I was like looking at that and being like, Somebody had to create right. every one of those and individually. Then, yeah. Like these are not things that you can find. These right. are just things that you create. And visually going in, I was like and just like watching the entire thing, there is nothing else like this. Yeah. It is like you can't go to an experience that is similar to this. Right. And I loved that. Yeah. And as in his other movies where there are a million different scenes, a million different sets. I remember reading something about like uh, Rushmore or Darjeeling or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, he went to like 20 something countries <laughs> and would get like one shot. Yeah. And uh, this was similar where he didn't like necessarily go anywhere, but I mean, there are three seconds of completely unique sets yeah. all over. Right. And any one of his, the best parts of his movies is like, and you could take a screenshot of literally any That's single scene true, in the yeah. movie and it was, it's fantastic. I've, I've and this just, remained true to that. Yeah, I was trying to look up like individual illustrators. It's kind of hard to find like the people behind some of the visual elements, mm. but they have two different, they have two or maybe more different styles and you got the stop motion animation. Anytime something was shown on a television screen in the film, it was more traditional drawn animation. Mm -hmm. The style of the both of those was so appealing to me. It's like the kind of stuff I love. And you're right, I the know. way he sets up, composes a scene, a single shot, is so great that I was like, how do so, I find, I want to know who the artist is so I can get a print or something. Yes, and he, and that too, like the, it was in Japan, so there's a lot of these like Japanese prints. Yeah. And uh, and like woodblock mm -hmm. is is a part of or the the art in it. And it's so meticulous yeah. that it's like it's down to every single detail, and it's so well done yeah. that it is like you. No matter what you think, like you, I feel like you have to just appreciate the meticulousness and the craft yeah. of the whole thing. Even even a simple shot of a, a newsroom scene where it's just a, a man's mm -hmm. face reading the news of maybe like a little inset square. I was like, I would put, I would. Buy that. I would put money into having thing. that. And I was thinking the same thing. There was like shots where I was like, oh, how do I get this print? Yeah. You know, or like, how do I, how do, do I, I get, get it on DVD? Yeah. Screenshot <laughs> on my computer. Know, right? uh, uh, but it's very, it's visually, you can't, I mean, you can't go wrong with these movies. Right. You could turn the sound off and I would not ask for my money back. Same. What did you think about the, the plot itself, the storyline? Well, here's uh, an interesting thing about him. And it's essential. a criticism of him I've heard, but it doesn't really affect me that much. Which is that because he's so precise, his the shots are so mm -hmm. precise, like you were saying, it can, and then uh, often, I don't think so much in this film, luckily, but often, and I think was the worst thing about 
one of the worst things about Moonrise Kingdom was that he has a lot of his actors are directed to do sort of a deadpan performance. Oh, yeah. Usually there's one or two characters who do it and then the rest are more colorful. I feel like Moonrise Kingdom, it was like deadpan across the board, which I think really was difficult. But However, I was just going to say that the thing that the criticism is because of all that, it can come off a little cold, no matter no matter how warm the story itself is. Mm. But I feel like I like that style. I feel like you, the story is so uh, heart-wrenching and so touching. It's like a boy doing anything he can to get his dog back. I mean, how do you go wrong with that? How do you go wrong with that? But occasionally people say, well, the, the style is so cold, but the, but the story makes up for it with incredible warmth. And I think it's a really interesting combination. I totally agree with that. It is, it's like, how do you not love a story about a, a boy and his yeah. dog? And there's like always this bit of romance in there that I am a sucker for. Sure. And, and there's like, there's like the romantic subplot between these dogs that I love. Yeah. And, uh, um, but about that, uh, the like the coldness and the precision. Yeah. Sometimes I you're like you're watching it and it's like this is math, you know. And <laughs> it's, but then he does such a great job and is so calculated and so meticulous that he drops a joke right when he should. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like it's deadpan, and it is so packed with detail. And his storylines and his plot is like what really makes them go is the detail. Yeah. And that's what makes his film work. And he's like, instead of having a film where it's like. You have this happens and this happens and this happens. He's like, okay, let's take this. Let's add a whole backstory to it. Right. And like, let's do this and like, just add more to it. Yeah. And then the next step is also like, let's just fill it with as much detail as possible. Right. So it moves incredibly quickly. Uh, and then also is calculated and calm, but then he'll just like drop a joke. Yeah. And I think his jokes are excellent because they're deadpan mm. and because they're so like matter of fact. Yeah that they just like end up being really funny. The best example for me in this movie is when the foreign exchange student character who has this blonde kind of fro uh, uh, haircut, yeah. and it's, I think Greta Gerwig does the voice. Yeah. Which I really love that character. She's getting to the love bottom her. of it. She's sort of a journalist. It's a conspiracy theory. And she's never met this boy, uh, and she's trying to figure out what happened to him. And then she just pauses, close up on her eyes, and then she goes, oh no, I have a crush on him. A boy she's never met, but it's such a well set up shot. And then, oh no, I have a crush on him. Very straightforward. And it's very funny and also very relatable. Like, yeah. oh, I don't know you, but now I really like you based on all this stuff I know. And a lot of times I like things that are kind of loosey goosey and up for interpretation. And I think that's like part of the joke and style is like, I'm going to tell you that I have a crush on him. Yeah. That's done. Like in this movie, it deals with like conspiracy theory. Yeah. And they talk about, this is the conspiracy theory. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> yeah, it's all, it on the screen, it's, it's, on the screen. Yeah. it's written there. It's the very clear. Theory. Yeah. You know, like everything is clear. Everything's detailed. Um, general yeah. overall, what did you think of the movie? That was really great. I'd heard a couple of people talk about it and they, they kind of shrugged or the, they compare, everyone was to compare it to Fantastic Mr. Fox. Well, this is, I felt like when I was in the theater, I was like, here's the thing. Every time you watch a Wes Anderson movie, you compare it to other Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. It's like, oh, where is this on the canon of Wes Anderson? Yeah. Which is unfair to the movie. It's so unnecessary. It's unfair to you as a viewer. It like, you don't have to go into something thinking, how is this going to Just enjoy the thing you're watching. I know. But sometimes <laughs> it's hard to do that. It's hard That's to be true. like, oh, did I like this more than Fantastic yeah. Mr. Fox? Or was it 
like not as good because of whatever yeah but it's just a thing that i feel like you can't help but do yeah it's hard to avoid i do my best to avoid it and i don't like i haven't seen fantastic mr fox in a while too mm-hmm. which i think helps but i went into it just like i, I i'm gonna watch this movie and see if i like this movie and then i can think about other things later right but i really enjoyed it it's a feast for the eyes as they say and I think that it is a joy and that we are blessed to live in a time where <laughs> Wes Anderson is a living director and we get to go see one of his movies in the theater. If I Wes Anderson gives joy. you a Kool-Aid, a cup of Kool-Aid, <laughs> do not drink it. <laughs> and you we didn't even prone. talk about the cast, which is incredible. You know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, who who we got? Harvey Keitel's in it. Harvey Keitel. We have we Schreiber. Got Jeff Goldblum. Ever heard of him? Oh, yeah. Bill Murray. Greta Gerwig, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton. Fra- was, uh, I thought I heard Francis McDermott. Yeah, yeah, she was Scarlett the Johansson. she was the voice of the reporter. Tilda Swinton. Who was Tilda Swinton? The Oracle voice. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm straight up on IMDb right now. That's good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he always has every person he knows in the movie. Yeah, and everybody will just do it because yeah. they know they and they want to be in it. Yeah. All right. Out of dogs, we loved it. Yeah. We're going to pull back right here and look at this. So Wes Anderson is an auteur director, and we're going to talk briefly about auteur directors. Um, so an auteur director, uh, this is straight from Wikipedia, is a, <laughs> is a singular artist who controls all the aspects of a collaborative creative work. So like an Alfred Hitchcock, I'd yeah. say, or a... Woody Allen, David Lynch, David Lynch, you know, these, and I feel like we really value these people. And I feel like it's similar to music where this, the auteur director was kind of a delineation from being an, uh, a director who isn't in the studio system yeah. of making movies and kind of does his old thing and controls everything. And it's kind of similar in like what happened to music in the sixties where you had songwriters and studio musicians to people like Bob Dylan and the Beatles who oh, yeah. like wrote recorded and played all the instruments, wrote all the songs, did this thing. And for some reason, we value these people more. Yeah, We see their art as being greater. I don't know if that is right or wrong. To- I think that's totally legit. I mean, I, not not to diminish the work of people who work as a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Not at all. But it's impressive Actually, no, this is a good point. I mean, it's... So I go back and forth. Yeah, At I first, do, I think for half of my life, I was like, yes, the auteur director. Like, yeah. that is the greatest thing. And then, like, working and seeing the other way where it's like, oh, these are all people that are excellent at doing, like, one very small thing. Yeah. And or that's just, just You know what? I think even bigger but, is just being able to collaborate with other artists. Right. Is really impressive and a difficult skill. Right. An auteur director, I'm sure, is somebody I would not want to be around. <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like a control freak. Uh-huh. Gonna, you know, not maybe trustworthy, but trusting of his sta- uh, his crew and his, his cast. But I mean, that's just, that's an exaggeration. But I mean, I get having a singular vision as an artist. It's more appealing, it's very to, appealing. to see this is my vision. I'm using everyone as a tool, right, uh, to help me make my vision, right, as opposed to somebody who's like, let this is my idea. Let's all jump in on it, right, or like um, let's have a bunch of people that are really excellent at doing these things who right. are all excellent artists come right. together and make this excellent piece of art. I think it is, is very valuable too, but for some reason we love, and yeah. I am I am one of these people. Yeah. I am included in the we uh, value your Wes Andersons more than, yeah. you know. Uh, I think it's because you can else. see a very specific style 
I and think you that's can, it. And you can really, something you really hang your hat on, as opposed to a collaborative effort where it's going to have a great product, but it's everyone's style is kind of coming in. Totally. You know, uh, uh, directors I have the agree. last word, or producers do sometimes too. I'm not right. sure how that works. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you've got a lot of pe- a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Right. And if you were the only cook in the kitchen, everything is, everything falls on you, good or bad. And you see that style come through, and it's like, you know, Stanley Kubrick. You right. will never see a Stanley Kubrick movie uh, that you don't know is a Stanley Kubrick movie, even if you need to go in blind. I agree. Um, there's a lot of things like that. And for and for music, too, and another parallel is that, like, you feel that you know this person. Yeah. You know, you, like, you know Wes Anderson loves things that are particular and small and unique. Yeah. And you get, like, a real vision of who this person is. I always think that's appealing as a person that consumes a lot of art is, like, a personal, you get to feel a personal relationship with the artist. Right. And I think that's part of the understanding. And also, we were talking about how unique Wes Anderson is. Yeah. You do not get that uniqueness and that that yeah. singular vision when you, when you, do it by committee true for the most part i mean i feel like i feel like there are exceptions to that and i feel like there there are degrees i also Mm -hmm. bet there's a lot of auteur what we would call auteur directors out there that we don't know as them because they're also good at collaborating yeah it's really interesting i feel like that would be wildly rare but and also unsung because you wouldn't really see it on the screen as much or or no but Mm. it's interesting it's the the great thing is is there are options like that. Right. You can see a lot of different kinds of films and there are artists who can go out and make the work they intended to make. And there are artists that go out and go, let's as a group, which is filmmaking is a collaborative medium, um, go out and have a team of incredibly creative people create this thing that you love. So it's really great. Yeah. Wes Anderson, Isle of Dogs. It is playing at the Oriental Theater where we both saw it. Yeah. It's also playing at uh, other theaters around the city. And enjoy the wordplay. I love dogs. I love dogs. I love dogs. Nothing gets past me, man. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, the death of Stalin. Make sure you tune in for that, too. This has been Cinebuds. Cinebuds is produced by Tyrone Miller. We have handcrafted sonic inspiration from the License Lab. Our theme song is from Milwaukee musician Brett Newski. And all this comes from support from your membership. Please subscribe to the podcast at RadioMilwaukee.org on iTunes or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next week.